welcome to Laughing Monkey Music Show. Terry Hun, Jeff Pilson, how are you? I am fine. You are very health conscious with yoga and meditation. Yeah. I want to talk about that too, because it's, it's pretty cool. I think, um, especially because you were doing it earlier on before it became more of a, not commercialized, but Eastern, Western medicine thing. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't it, as there, cool. there was There was some commercialization to it. Absolutely. So I think that's kind of cool to talk about that too. Um, first, probably the most exciting thing is right now is you're towards the end of, of, being with Foreigner, which is such a fantastic group, and being able to spend a good part of your life with probably, I'm sure, a band you grew up loving and everyone we all have is iconic. And yeah, yeah. a member of, of that and share that. Being at the end, is it kind of like a like a, like a, a bittersweet type of thing at this point? Exactly. It, it is bittersweet. I mean, the band is actually sounding, playing, singing getting along better than i mean it's just it's it's we're in a fantastic place right now this this tour has been so much fun this year um i mean i, I it, it is it's going to be bittersweet um the audiences have been great the crowds are great um but it will be nice to not travel as much um you know i mean a hundred shows a year for 20 years that's that's a lot i'm, a lot, I'm ready yeah. to i'm ready to slow that down um and, uh, you know, we'll see exactly what, where we go from here. But I know that after next year, because it's we're going to go till the end of 24. But I know after next year, no more of the long tours. And yes, it's bittersweet. But uh, again, I'm just trying to really appreciate it right now and enjoy it because it's been so much fun. And I mean, and I've even been in a frigging wheelchair, you know, <laughs> it's been fun. So I, I got to say, doing good. Well, I mean, you're such a... I can see where it'd be so tiring. Like, I don't know how, how you guys as musicians just tour and do it and go on and smile and have the worst day ever physically traveling. And, and you're, I don't think there's enough <laughs> coffee for me to do that. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> you know, I have some days like, um, so to be able to do that and, 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 and do it for so long is very admirable. You know, it's not just, it's the 22 hours before, or, you know, the cliche thing, yeah. but it's, it is. It's like, I couldn't imagine people on a regular day to day putting that smile on. There's other stuff going on. You get the call from home. You have other things going on in your life. You've got a show to do. It's a show. Yeah, it's but a yeah, you know, fortunately, I've always been very lucky. When I when I'm playing music, I'm able to just get myself lost in it. Okay. Even I mean, if I were in a country band, I could do that. And I'm not. I mean, well, actually, I kind of like country music, so that's a bad example. <laughs> if I were in a polka well, band, old country, uh, new country, though, old country, new country. <laughs> well, you know what? That's the thing. I I kind of like both. I mean, I I I like the elements of both. But anyway, um, uh, yeah. So I because I can get lost in the music. Um, I'm very lucky. I mean, okay. I'm I'm not up there, you know, you know, thinking, oh God, I played Hot Blood a thousand times. You know, I'm not. That's not for right. me. It's it still feels great and fresh, and the energy of the audience. You know, I mean, yeah, if we had to rehearse Hot Blood a thousand times, I probably wouldn't enjoy it. But but in front of the crowd, it's great, and 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 the energy has just been so spectacular that um, no complaints here. Well, that, that's good. I mean, you oh, but you are pretty much. It's also like part of like who you are. It's like your your persona, and it might be just part of your your meditation yoga. Always like the Switzerland, the the, the chilled back guy. You know, the, yeah. the medium guy between Doc and and actually, we might dip back and forth. I actually talked to Don and actually talked to George probably in the past couple of weeks. <laughs> I, well, yeah, boy, things have really changed, haven't they? <laughs> well, you know, here's funny. Like, yeah, well, growing up, obviously, like, I'm a Doc and fan, but but I also you know, hear the back and forth. You, I you know. It's, yeah, I didn't need it. You know, some of his press and back and forth as a kid. I didn't really care that much about it. I just dug the music. You know what I mean? 
as 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 someone who's like a musician with some bands, I was always more curious about the questions they ever asked about, like who's really writing the songs, what's going on with production, things you yeah, didn't really yeah. hear about in the magazines. I didn't right. care if who was fighting with who, what's going on with cars and yeah. all that crap. So I kind of you know, you have to pay attention to it. So, but then over the years you hear things, and then like I said, I had Don on, and he said Don Don had a bunch of things to say, and I was kind of just let him say what he needed to say, you know, cool with that. And yeah. then George didn't want to say anything, and I didn't really care. I don't, I don't really pull out of, out of him. But what's really neat afterwards, I thought about it, I'm like, man, the dynamic of their two personalities. And that's why it's fun batting with you now. And I'm talking to you just a few minutes. It really can feel the huge difference in all of your personalities just in like five or ten minutes of meeting you guys. Yeah, and and honestly, everybody's a lot cooler than they were, you know, in the heyday 30 years ago or whatever, but um 40 years ago. Um oh, wow, but, yeah. yeah. Um, but we're still the same people. <laughs> I is, know, but you know what I'm saying? It's perspective is probably different a little bit, maybe. You know, yeah, with time, I mean, listen, you know, George is able to go out and do shows with Don and, you know, there's been some nasty stuff going on in the press, but they're still able to do it. So, um, you know, uh, the the thing that that brings up is we did have a chemistry and there was something about those. You, oh, yeah. You guys are the perfect storm. That, perfect storm. That man. did help create. I mean, I don't think I'm not one of those people that think conflict creates great music. I don't think that. Um it can be an element, but um, I always I always thought that the conflict in Dokken prevented us from getting as far as we really should have gotten. I mean, I, or we, the, as far as we could have gotten had we right. really used, utilized our talents. Um, and um, But I do think that the uniqueness of the personalities and where we all came from and how we work together is really critical. I mean, George and my chemistry is so complete you know it really george is, is george is so funny george is so funny talking to him like, oh, i think people miss that like i don't think i even realized like how sarcastic he is and dry oh, completely in two I seconds mean, and i totally got it i loved it it was like this is like yeah. one of the best things ever yeah no he is great and he doesn't take himself seriously and of oh, course no. even back in the day he didn't i mean we didn't really the same way and don kind of did so it was you know it was there was well that's what i'm that. saying i mean it's just it's, 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 there's a little bit of difference. Like within two seconds, I was this make-believe manager. We were just making jokes about it with George through the entire interview. Like it was just like, you know, just riffing on that kind of, and it was fun. Where Don, he was more like sitting down and I was more part of an audience and it was like a story. Yeah, yeah, and no, no, exactly. Different presentations in the personality, which is why I felt like I was like, oh, I kind of get it now. Yeah. You know, yeah. just different people, you know, and yeah. And I'm glad to see, I'm a come from the school. I'm glad. I'd love to see you guys get together and not tear apart what he has if he's still does with those guys. I'd love to see the guys get together. I wish that, um, like, I heard Mick isn't really talking to anybody. I wish he was just talking to you guys as friends. Like, hey, we're friends. Like, oh, I, I, oh I, I talked to Mick. I mean, oh, you I do? Okay. Talked, I, 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 I talked to him a few point. weeks ago. Yeah. No, no, no. Not, not often, mind you. And and George, you, well, I think you, because George, I think, hasn't talked with him for a while. And okay. it's not, it's not, anything on Mick's part where he doesn't want to talk to George. Mick is an isolationist. He does kind of keep off to himself. Um, he's kind of always been that way. And then he's got a, a select group of friends that he hangs out with. Um, and Mick's other thing is he just wants it very clear that he does not walk back into the music business. And I think sometimes he fears that we're calling him because we're trying to oh, bring okay. him back. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, you know, like, I'm finally out. Um, but um, I was thinking so, about that the other day. Yeah, that was yeah, part of the reason yeah. why he's like trying to stay away. Yeah, and the, I think it is um, to a certain extent. Uh, but listen, we're still. I mean, when the last time I talked with Mick, it was his 
close and personal as it's ever been. That's, that's in 2016, we when we got together, we worked on we wrote one song, but it was it went smooth as could be and the chemistry yeah. was all there. I mean, it was just just like the olden days. It was that that part is kind of bizarre that the chemistry is still there. But um having said all that, if we end, end up getting back together, yes, I would love to make one last great docking record. I would love to do that. I mean, but Don's kind of made it clear that he thinks his current record is his last one. And if that's the case, I, I respect that. Well, cool. he, he's actually a little open as I talked to him about that, because I was like, it's hard to kind of close the door. Because, I mean, as far as docking albums he's done in a while, I think it's one of the best. For different yeah, reasons. I, I have, I've only heard the one song, but, you know. Now, I talked about his voice. His voice changes, just like mixed bodies change. You can't help it. You and George playing string instruments and vocally and the way you guys have done your lives, whatever, and genetics, whatever, are a little different. I mean, yeah, those two guys in the bookends, their bodies have felt a little more wear and tear differently, and you yeah. live differently too. Yeah, let's yeah, honest. yeah, yeah. And you know, I mean, I think Don still even smokes, you know, which is bizarre. oh, he was smoking and drinking when I talked to him. I mean, yeah. I felt like I was at a party. Well, uh, and, and and you know, you know, he's been notorious for being in places with a drink in his hand and a cigarette, telling people how he just quit dr drinking and smoking. So, <laughs> well, he was telling me how bad the drug abuse was, how bad you guys were when he was drinking and smoking, and how bad. The drugs were with you guys doing piles of cocaine. That's like, oh, okay. and and he he failed to mention his own, you know, his own thing that was going. Well, on. That's pretty apparent, and that's what people had a lot a lot to say. And it was like, was there somebody in the chat? I think my thing was, I was like, well, it feels like the story's just a little uneven. And I think, despite everyone did drugs, everyone did a lot. I do want to say one of the things I have a question about, and this is more as a fan, the album, uh, uh, Shadow Life album. He was kind of he felt like he was kind of pushed into that one because of the power struggle. Um, it was kind of like half he had half-hearted into it, and you guys were really into it. You didn't want him singing a certain way. Um, personally, as a fan, I don't think it was not my favorite Doc album just because it feels like it's not. Yeah, I mean, should have been a different, should have been a different group. Is what it should have been. You know, it what didn't mean? come out great. <laughs> no question. Yeah, I mean, well, that that's pretty true. I mean, what happened was, I think there are a couple good moments on it, but I mean, it just didn't come out as a good solid yeah. overall. Docking. It's doesn't it's it would be a decent record of a new band that was coming out in the nineties trying something kind of melodic, you know. But a different um, singer though. That was not Don's voice for that album. It just wasn't. Maybe Robert Mason yeah. could have done it. But, but, but we didn't we didn't force Don to sing a certain way. I I will say that I mean I think he kind of caught the spirit of where we were coming from because the opening track on the re record Puppet on a String, which of course sounds nothing like Dawkins. He really got into that. I mean he was he was he was very into that. So don't let him get you know excuse the album too much but um no, no i but, take everything yeah. with a grain of salt with doc at this point you have to yeah, yeah <laughs> that's why do. i'm asking you uh, a little perspective yeah on the uh, so so but don was also clear at the time like you know hey i think we're kind of veering off too far and and you know he he was right about that i agree um so you know mixed bag tr we try you know it was the mid 90s when we started it and it was like you know, we felt like we had to try something new. And when we went off to Arizona to write the music, um, we were on fire. We were having a great time and everything was going really well. Um, I just think that when it came to doing the record, I mean, I, I thought Kelly Gray did as best as he could under the circumstances, but he was probably the wrong guy to pick as a producer. I mean, it was a, I mean, it was mid nineties. He was kind of, you know, he had done Candlebox. So I think there was the thought of getting a nineties thing in there, but, um, but that's not what he said. That was you guys. He said, he, yeah, he said that was you and George. That when he met him, he was like, the guys, yeah, I don't like your singing. Told this what Don told me that, you know, Kelly didn't like, uh, didn't, you know, he didn't like John's melodic, his little vibrato voice there. 
So it kind of felt like that put him in a bad spot. Once again, this is well, and and that's and that that's it. It wasn't that George and I were all actually. It was our our manager who suggested him, and we just went along with it. It wasn't really it wasn't a huge opinion on it. Um, but when we met Kelly, we were impressed with his dedication of wanting to take us in a new direction, which which is what we wanted to do at the time. So again, I think this is nothing against Kelly, but I think he he probably I think Don was right. He would have been the wrong choice. Um. We but Don didn't really he didn't make a big thing like let's not use him either. So I mean I know I remember them talking about his voice and Kelly saying he wanted him to do stuff. He didn't say he didn't like his voice, by the way. He said he he just wanted him to try different things. Um and uh and that was wrong. That was we should have we sh that's not what we should have done, but we did. It's over with, you know, let's move on. Well, I I want to say in perspective that for other people, it was really hard is like and this is more of a respective thing. Like any albums you guys have done have been different. The music always sounds good. It might not always be the right clicking. Even the different docket albums, the, the, the technical skills are always there. You know what I mean? For different versions of a band. So you guys are always good. Sometimes just, it doesn't, the, the magic's not there. But like you've been playing music and, and, and George since the seventies and, and music's an evolution. And just like I talked to George about like the uh, smoke this, the, the, the Lynch, the Lynch biscuit we were joking about album. It's kind of feels like sometimes is an artist evolving? Are they trying something different? Are they jumping on a bad wagon? Are you just growing as an artist? It's such a double-edged sword. No matter what you do, you're going to get gigged on one side. You know what I mean? That's right. That's right. Well, that's so that's the you guys being different. During, but, but, so doing Shadow like trying to evolve a little bit, I get that. But I think in hindsight, and like most things, almost like a different name for different projects, sometimes yeah. it's a division line. It gives you guys a little more slack to be creative without being beat up. and Because Dawkins a product, just like they told them, like a uh, lynch mob yeah. is a product. Different Lynch Mob albums. I'm not expecting to hear smoke yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and and that's it. And and had we approached Shadow Life a little more united, I mean, right. because you know, I mean, when we went off to Phoenix and did the music, and we we wrote a bunch of lyrics, and in fact, the song that they wanted to put as the first single was was written in Arizona and everybody got excited about it. But when we got to the studio, it got changed completely and it got changed into something not great. And uh, so anyways, it got convoluted. That's the, that's the main thing. It really got convoluted and you need, you need clarity and direction. And we weren't uh, united enough as a band to rise above that. Had we been more united as a band, we would have done the right things, but it, we, it's, that's the problem with Dokken is there's, um, it, there isn't a, a cohesive vision and, and there, ha sometimes there is, and when there is, we, we focus on it and it's great, but when there's, um, when there's dissension, it's very hard to congeal it into one solidified thing. That's yeah, it's actually perfect. I think one of the, one of the things that I always love about Dawkins, and I think it's in a way your voice is almost like it when it says, a long time now, not anymore. Under underdone, like uh, like Michael Anthony was like the unknown, the big strong part. Yeah, like you are the other part, and that's what I'm saying. That was also didn't really was a big part of Shadow Life. I mean, the the vocals and the harmonies is a big part of that, and that was always a feature of what you kind of do yeah. to it. You, you know what I'm saying? Sure. And that was missing, yeah. and that's a big part of docking to me. Was that? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. That sound I agree together. I agree with all that. Yeah, I mean, and that's. I mean, you also are a lead singer of your own. So, I mean, it's, it's always going to be a weird thing to be a lead singer, but not a lead singer in a band with a lead singer. Yeah, you can I, harmonize I, with them. Yeah. And it's going to be weird. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I don't I don't view myself as a lead singer, really. I view myself as somebody who sings and occasionally I sing lead. <laughs> you, got good, um, you got a good but, voice. I mean, let's be honest. You have a good voice. Maybe not a lead singer in a band where you're out there a showman. You well, know, like actually, Ross. I think I could do that part better than the well, scene. Well, that's in your bass and the fancy clothes. I'm just talking about. I just don't think I have. I, I don't have the voice. I don't have a David Coverdale in his peak kind of voice. You know, that's not my voice. Um. And that's, to me, the kind of voice you sort of need with a rock band and, you know, a full on rock band. And I don't have that. So but I, I could go out there and certainly fake the I, I could fake being a front man very well. <laughs> you, but if you think about it, you've been with some pretty impressive frontmen. Like, I mean, Don is, is, is his own his own thing. And especially in his peak, you got, um, you know, I love the fact Don's still singing. He's doing whatever he wants. I mean, Ryan James Dio, I mean, seeing him just thinking about last time I saw him, he didn't even need a microphone. I get chills with that voice that he can project like that skill level vocally i mean yes. and even now with, with kelly singing i and i'm gonna say this i'm glad kelly got the corner gig because i thought hurricane was good with his vocals i'm glad to see kelly got a bigger stage <laughs> and, to get and his what, 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 out there because what a fabulous it, vehicle for his voice and his his but he needed lead. something out there because i would have hated to see it waste away because he's such a good exactly. singer yeah I and agree. that just feels I like that was a perfect fit you know? It is the perfect fit. And he's such a great front man with the band. It's it's phenomenal. And yeah, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I've worked with some pretty, pretty amazing people. And, you know, one of the one of my highlights in 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 working with Ronnie was singing with him. That was, you know, just such a rush. And he, and the thing is, you know, Jimmy Bain used to do a couple of vocal lines here and there. <clears throat> yeah. But Ronnie was so excited that I was singing more and we had so much fun. The the last line on We Rock, the song We Rock, you know, it yeah. is, we rock. And, you know, he would hold the high one. I'd hold the one right beneath him. And we, you know, it was just, and I just remember, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. Just the sound in the, in the PA. And then we'd look at each other and it was, it, ah. And Ronnie, when he was happy, was just so much fun. It was, it was great. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps all over the yeah, place. Well, you know, he was. He was that he was just one thousand percent authentic. You know, I mean, it was, it was yeah. just all so real with him. He was the real deal. He and and you know, he and, and here's a here's the thing. You know, his voice is kind of considered the quintessential metal voice. Yeah, um, and I I agree with that. But where it comes from is just as important, and and it's the R and B, and it's the yeah. And all the stuff that he had in his background, I mean, he is just such an incredible amalgamation. When we were doing the um, uh, um, um, Angry Machines record, I remember, you know, Ronnie, when we would do the basic tracks, he would sing all day for every take. I mean, he's singing eight hours or whatever, however many hours we're in there rocking. He's in there singing, which very few singers do. I mean, the only other singer that's ever done that was Robin McCauley. It, when when I did an MSG record, Robin McCauley would sing on every take, which was so great and so old school. And it just it makes a band just on fire yeah. when you're when you're all playing together, you know. So he would sing with every every take, and you know he was singing, and and he was doing it partly to get his voice warmed up to do the real vocals, you know. So he would he would even push himself kind of hard, and he'd even get a little bit hoarse, which Ronnie, you know, it takes a lot for Ronnie to get even a little bit hoarse, but he liked that, especially when we were just starting to work on a record. So then he would at, so at the end of one of the sessions one night, we were working on the song, stay out uh, um, or uh, this is my life. 
And we were talking about it. And all of a sudden we were like, what would it be like if it had like a John Lennon piano, like an imagined piano kind of vibe behind it instead of, because it was done on a guitar. Tracy G had done a beautiful guitar arrangement. It was actually amazing what he did. Um, but uh, but we just wanted to try it. So Ronnie and I went in the studio. Um, Scott, the keyboard player, he wasn't there. So I was just playing piano and we just, we we, we recorded a version. And Ronnie sounds kind of like Rod Stewart on it. And it's so amazing. And I have been looking for the, I had a tape of it for years and I've been looking for it because I wanted to get it to Wendy for one of these compilations or something because it is just the most incredible vocal. If I can find that, that. it's insane. His voice is so, I mean, if they would have just put that out, (laughs) it would have worked. Although Ronnie would have never agreed to it because his voice was kind of hoarse, but it sounded so cool. It really did. It was, it was pretty amazing. And that's just a testament to, to greatness. You know, he's, he, he, Robin McCauley, um, Kelly Hansen, all these people, they're, it's greatness. And that's, that's an important thing. But, it, but it's also, if you look at the roots, now we talk about like your shirt, people can't see it. I was complimenting earlier. It's awesome. I love, I've got, I got the vinyl. And it, and that's where you can what? kind of talk about like, what are the roots or the seeds of, 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 yeah. of where you go? Like, you know, you say like, who do, who's your artist like? And then if you know, if there's an artist you like, well, they need to go back two generations to who they like and who they like. Correct. You need yeah. to look deep and then Absolutely. go, oh, Ronnie had had it. I mean, you look back, obviously, like you use Zeppelins and, you know, Foreigner, you, you know, but what did you guys pull from? Because you guys were really more from the 70s pulling into the 80s with Doc. And like, you guys had it. There, there, it, it all came to have a, it, well, was, it was a mixture of different music. So, well, Doc was pulling type. from from 70s heavy rock a lot, yeah. obviously, we, you know, which is probably what we all really loved, you know, the deep purple. And if you guys do an R&B, though, because I can still feel that sometimes with you, especially in the I'm an, R&B, I, I'm an R&B okay. guy, but I kind of came right. to R&B a little bit later in life, kind of after my first term in Dawkins. I, I got into R&B a lot in the 90s is when I started getting into R&B. But anyway, um, okay. but also I had a really huge 60s Beatle influence that, we, that okay. I brought. So I think that was kind of what, help dock and sort of craft its own sort of sound is that way that we had those unique elements and i did bring the harmonies the back yeah harmonies in the back beat the way you guys would hold down differently and the way mick would kind of play his drums it was not the same and also a lot a lot of rock bands back then weren't the same and i'm not telling everybody off my front lawn type of joke i always make it's more like um the dynamics of copying each band are different nowadays because it's not the same it's more of a it wasn't a blueprint before it was like, right. here's some ideas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But boy, in the 80s, it got to be a blueprint. There's for sure. The end of it was a copy of a copy of a copy. And that's what killed it, of course. Yeah, we, we were fortunate. We did have a uniqueness and I think an originality. Um, certainly Don's voice is incredibly unique. Um, and when he was at his peak and able to sing in, you know, much greater range, it was kind of the sky's the limit. We, we had a real, real interesting take on a lot of stuff. Um so, I mean, I'm grateful for that. And I, I'm grateful for that chemistry that we had. And I'm grateful for the fact that we were able to go out there and do what we did. I mean, because there there were a lot of bands that weren't successful. And we we managed, again, we were our own worst enemies. And I think we could have been a much bigger band had we been more together um, and kept it together. But uh, for whatever reason, we got to where we did. And I'm kind of grateful for it. You guys are like four different personalities. You're probably more chill. But I think the fact you guys got as far as you did with that many different personalities without having a Metallica therapist is almost amazing yeah. unto its own. Well, we did. The talent was there. It's just the personalities were just. Actually, different. in 95, when we were starting the uh, 
uh, this, uh, what was it called? Dysfunctional tour. Um, we actually did have a guy come out and meet with us as, as a band, as a therapist. <laughs> and that's funny because um, Don said that too about that, the Metallica tour. He said, when Metallica would go on, I think it was, I'm sorry, like Monsters of Rock or whatever was going on after, before you guys, whatever. He was like, that's it. He knew it was the end of Doc. And like, because if we had gotten the therapist and the stuff that Doc, you know, Metallica was doing, we may have had a different chance but between the drugs and how badly we were getting killed by Metallica. It kind of just, that was his take yeah. on it, but. Well, I mean, I think the drugs did have a lot to do, a, a, oh. lot, a lot to do with keeping the distance. But, you know, mind you, everybody was doing drugs. You know, every band, that was the entire 80s. Okay. <laughs> Don was doing his prescription drugs, you know, it was like right. we were all out there. So, um, yeah, I think drugs played a part. But honestly, it was egos. It was egos and greed. That's really where it comes from. That broke the band up. Um, and, you know, it's, I mean, Metallica didn't have the therapist on Monsters of Rock. They That was when no, they were just they were. young and coming out there and, and doing it. And Nobody could have opened against them, though. They were an anomaly. I, I got to be honest. It yeah, it, it wasn't an anomaly. But... Honestly, it's funny. At the time, I didn't really think of it that way. I, I, I didn't feel like we were being killed. Ever. I mean, I knew how well Metallica was going over. But right. all I saw is that we we just weren't at our best. And that that got me really angry. I mean, I got a, on on the Monsters Rock tour. I got angry several times more so than I ever had been just cuz I was it's like what? You know, we're not going out there and giving our best. That's just that's yeah. insane to me. You know, in a stadium full of people, you got to be kidding me. Um so yeah, I mean, I I I get what Don's saying. And I I I can see how that worked into his equation of quitting the band, but his, I, I, I think it's safe to say his main motive was he felt like the band had made a lot of mistakes, which I agree with. You know, but there was there was things about Back for the Attack that we should have done differently, but it wasn't all our fault. <laughs> you know, um, it was kind of the conglomerate just wasn't working. Um, but uh, so he, but I think he really felt that if he could get the name and go out on his own, then he could you know, keep the lion's share and wouldn't have to share it with Ben. Yeah. That was, of course, that was a big part of it. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of bad signs going on at the time. I mean, you got, I thought Dr. Zach was good. I don't think I appreciate it as much as I did then as I've gone back over the years now. And the difference of all the music, even, you know, under lock and key. I mean, I always with that one. Everyone, everyone does. In your Lord of the Rings outfits, we all, you know, everyone loves to tease you about <laughs> that's the best. But but the music and like the harmonies, like there was nothing that came out. I remember, I can tell you exactly where I got it when I heard it. I was like, there's nobody doing that. And that's the harmonies that I, because I also like Crosby's as a Nash. So when you hear Slipping Away, it wasn't so much of a ballad. It was to me, I heard 70s rock. I didn't hear like, yeah. you know, Freedom Rock. I heard like, Still as a Nash. And I, and I could have been wrong, but generationally, I felt that's, no, where that's you guys what, were coming from. more where we were coming from. Yes, absolutely. Me, personally. So to me, it, felt, right, so to me it felt more natural as a rock album than as a, a ballad. It just felt like it was, and I've seen that, and I say that to tie in with your Heavy Hitters album. There's been two of them. Hmm. But the newest one, I mean, you've got some crotches and Nash cover. You've got some fantastic covers. And I know. <laughs> I think it's I have so much fun doing those records. It's just insane. I mean, you do you a know, lot of covers though, too. So for you to be excited about it, because you've done a lot in your career. I mean, you're a, yeah. You've some, yeah. You know. Well, you know, number one, pretty much anytime George and I get to do something, I mean, I, you know, sign me up. I'm I'm in. Um, I love I we I love to make music. You know, I just I love to make music and 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 I love to record um, and I love I love that spark that happens when you you do something together and there's a collaboration and the sum of the uh, the 
whole is greater than the sum of its parts. I love that. And that the heavy hitters album is nothing but fun. It's not, I mean, it's us taking already, you know, there's an already a bed of a song there. There's a great song yeah, there. Right. And now we get to do what we want with it. Oh, heaven. And you had good singers. And I'm going to say, and then as we were both talking about this one, I love the fact the second, you had Bernard, come on. Yeah. And and, and the joke is, really this in the interview, Bernard is a, the background vocals for um, Rolling Stones, Sounds. but the way that we said it, but the way we said it, he was, you know, George is kind of twisting it around. He's like, oh, I'm kind of concerned because I have the album that he was a singer. You got to listen to how he puts it out there because he's really funny the way he, he was busting on me. We, the whole little skit there. George well, was about Bernard singing it. But, was he saying like you know the Rolling Stones singer or something like that? <laughs> to, to, to that, yeah, he was, he, he was giving me grief about a bunch of things. He was funny because, but I got what he was saying, and we were like going back and forth about it. But but on a serious note, we we were just talking about how, how fantastic his voice was. It was that voice has another life of its own. I mean, the other first singer in the first album was great too. I'm not taking it from that. Yeah, yeah, he was. It's great like too. there's never bad music for you guys. It's just always just different ingredients. Right. But there's something about Bernard. When I heard that yeah. album, I was like, I literally was like, I got to talk to Jeff. And George yeah. about this, and actually maybe Bernard at some point too. I'm like, I gotta. That would be great. You know. I mean, honestly, I, I I would love it if we did more stuff with Bernard. He's and he's just a great guy too. You know, he's just a great guy. And yeah, we had so much fun doing these covers. It's yeah. like really, and for him, you know, like, and and what's what's great is I wasn't sure how he was going to take to the Crosby, Stills, Nash thing. Oh. He loved it. He loved it, and it, it just he just fell into it so perfectly you know it was, you, plus, and there were some songs in there that yeah it, it's it's like because there's a little, a little delay on our talk like keeping step over you it's a, a cover song is definitely if you like so you do a single cover song sometimes you like it as opinion someone does it has to be like legit to the same everyone has their own view of what a cover song should be to me i like to see it has a spark of the original the band is covering it has to have fun but i wanted some of their flavor on it too like i don't Unless hey, you you're trying to get a record label for screwing you over out of, out of money, you just recopy your stuff so you can get the money, which I support yeah, a band yeah. doing. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're doing that, no, right. have some fun with it. And yeah, rock it exactly. out a little bit. And there's some songs in there you guys supercharge. Like, yeah, um, exactly. I, I can't even think of what song it was. There was just two songs in there that I wanted to bring up to him. I guy to talk to him. I can't think of what it was. Was it was, uh, the Earth? I feel the Earth moved under my feet. Was it on an album? One of the songs yeah. you guys just rock. Yeah. That was that's gonna be the one that it just rocks so hard. And I want people to check out all the albums, of course. But start at heavy hitters, and then actually do like what I said. I went back, Bernard. I heard Bernard on that one. I'm like, I gotta go hear his other stuff. And I went back into Bernard's stuff from there. Oh, great! Well, that's the that's it. That's the objective. That's great. Yeah, and, and that that's the goal. You know, I mean, you and George have so much to uh, go into. You know, War and Peace. You know, uh, you, 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 both your bands. You gotta get self titled. Um, the jams. I mean, you guys said. You guys have collaborated with like I like that you guys did something with D. Snyder uh, one time and Jason Bottom. You guys did a uh, uh, Wasted Years, right? Uh, the Maiden one, I think. I think what time did you guys? Did it? Yeah. If we did, that was that was one of those projects. A long things. time ago, right? Well, no, it was a one off. It was just a one off a long time ago. Yeah, and we, we weren't in the same room when we did that. Yeah. So I don't. I don't. I, that was I the time. Don't even remember it. <laughs> well, you know, it is. That was a time when a lot. I think it was in the nineties or two thousands where they were yeah, like driving rockers and they're Bob throwing Kulik songs was together. Doing a lot of a lot of cover records and and yeah, they were covering. And some tri- of them were fun though because it was like, what would just artists like Dee Snyder and you and Jeff and then uh, Jason Bottom on drums like that sounded really good. Not yeah. saying it would have been a, a, 
I wouldn't say organically, maybe together, all your personalities. I don't know, especially back then. Personalities would be weird, but but that would be a great band. <clears throat> I mean, but, but that the, that's album, that song sounds great because you yeah. guys have that power, his voice. It just well, you know, George and Jason Bonham and I did jam one time um, before for the Foreigner thing. Um, oh wow! But after Rockstar, huge sounding. It sounded amazing, but it was what it was. Is it was when we were just putting the Lynch Pilsen record together, and you know we didn't have any sort of thing, but we just wanted to get together and jam, and it was freaking great. It was really great. Yeah, Jason. I mean, because I had you know I had just done Rockstar, and and this is when Jason had just cleaned up, so he was playing amazing, and it was great. Yeah, that was <laughs> Rockstar. It's funny it's become such a cult classic too. You know, yeah. I remember seeing it. I was like, oh, it's so cheesy, but the music is so good. It's got some yeah. of my favorite musicians in it. Yeah, every yeah. time you're like, yeah, it's kind of funny. Like, it's funny, like tongue-in-cheek funny, like... Tongue-in-cheek, yep. Yeah, yeah. You can't I take it too seriously. Very, very happy with, with having done that. That was that was a great experience. I think looking back, yeah, it is. I, it is funny, is I think the term rock star, I, I'm not a big fan of that anymore, especially like when people call themselves a rock star or a hairdresser. <laughs> like, you want to grow up and be a musician. I think we stopped having rock stars once Robert Plant had grandchildren. There's no rock stars anymore. Even he's a musician. He's like a grandfather that sings. <laughs> You're musicians now, and you do some really fantastic music that touches people's lives forever. Yeah, well, you know? thank you. That's very kind of you to say. And you've been in, and you've done it on so many different levels, you know. Well, again, I, I feel very grateful for my career. I really do. So what's that actually tied into? So you actually, on your website, you got a great website. You got you got to break down some of the bigger bands you've been in. You got and, um, and Dio and um, obviously Foreigner. You get them broken down. You got some. Um, but let's talk about you. You, you do um, yoga and meditation, and it's yeah. kind of neat because I believe you kind of use part of that also to kind of pull you out of the the drug stupor and the drug struggles you had. It did help. Time, I'm sure. Well, yeah. I mean, for me, I mean, I've been um, doing yoga now since 1978. And um, it's become That's a very amazing. I was eight years old. That was insane. Integral part of my <laughs> life. And uh, by the end of the 80s, I was quite into meditation and um, I had spent quite a bit of time with my guru. Um, so, yes, it, it helped me because I, I got clean in 1989. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm one of those who's very open about my <laughs> drug, drug and alcohol use. Um, I, I got clean in 1989 and... Um, or sober, I should say. And, uh, and yeah, I would say the meditation helped a lot because it, you know, drugs are an escape and drugs are a way of, um, dealing with pain and isolation and all sorts of things. Um, so is meditation. Meditation is a way of dealing with that, but on a different level, on a level where you're allowing the conscious mind to slow down and your awareness to take over. And once the awareness takes over, there's a whole different attitude that sets in and that was the attitude i needed in order to get clean so i credit yoga for helping me a lot and that is why i am holding um i do a virtual meditation class uh it's usually on monday nights sometimes it moves when i'm on the road a little bit but if you are interested in virtual meditation it's a half hour class um go to hot for yoga scv scv hotforyogascv.com. And uh, you can get the information on the virtual uh, meditation class and come and join us. It's It's been really helpful. I started doing it during the pandemic. I started doing the virtual classes during the pandemic and I've really, really enjoyed it and I'm going to continue doing it. 
Well, first thing I want to say that'd be cool. People, if you're obviously the podcast, also there's a YouTube show. If you're driving, don't worry about it. The link will be underneath it on the podcast and the YouTube. So don't worry about crashing your car. Write it down. <laughs> the link will be there to click on to go to the site on, on all all the all the, all the platforms. Oh, I want great. I want to encourage people to go to go there. Right. Um, and and I think it's great. I think being virtual is kind of cool because especially you know, like being like an old guy, it's embarrassing because you're out of shape or you're mentally or physically for different things. So it's nice to be able to, if you can kind of do it in the privacy of your own home. You don't feel so um, out there. That's right. I think that would yeah, yeah. also be um, a selling point for a lot of people. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, convenience is an issue, um, and and you know, a lot of people. Does it translate just, as good though? Do you feel like a struggle, like for people to communicate between the Zoom? Does it feel like I, I actually don't. There? I mean, no, I I think um, because you know it's it's inner work. You're working on your insides, so it kind of doesn't matter about the exterior circumstances. Um, I have not found it to be a barrier. I, I think it's more of a barrier in physical exercise classes, in as far as my ability to judge what people are doing on the screen. Um, but uh, other than that, I think for meditation, it's been very very effective. Um, the only other thing that is affected is. We're generally muted, so if we're doing like chanting, you're not. I'm not going to hear the other people. And when you're right. in a room with other people chanting, that is that is a power. power. There's power. Yeah, there's more power there. But but having said that, uh, been getting great results of uh, of the uh, virtual stuff. Is there like obviously there's different types of, of like meditation? Like, what do you do? Because I know one of the things I've heard is like really cool, and it's like people say it's life changing, but as an outsider, understand it. It's like transcendental meditation. So there's all different types of out there. Mm -hmm. Like where does this fit in, in the world of meditation for people the that are starting? The meditation, it? which I teach, uh, by the way, all real meditation is transcendental. <laughs> That's the objective. But you know what I'm saying? Like if you hear, if you no, hear TM, is a, TM is a particular uh, okay. form of meditation. Mine, all, all that I teach is Absolute yoga meditation, which has been around for thousands and thousands of years. I don't deviate with the formula at all. I teach, and basically we teach just a couple of simple meditation. We, we, we do some breathing, we do some postures, and then we do a very, a different meditation technique each class. And we, we teach a handful of techniques because you want to narrow it down. And eventually in your own practice, it's nice to whittle it down to one technique that you practice. Um, but, you know, you can take really? time to do that whatever it be, maybe. But um, basically, I just teach those very simple techniques. And I think a lot of people, they're, they think it's more than it is. It's, you know, it's easier than you think. Um, meditation can be difficult, but realizing who you are is not. And that's what we want to do in these classes. And it's, um, uh, again, the mental blocks are the problem. <laughs> so just get past those and you're fine. <laughs> See, I think that I can, I, I can admit a lot of my mistakes, believe me, I can. But I think for me, the idea of sitting still and not thinking about other challenges or struggles or problems going on, like anytime you try to do something like that, has always been like, that would be my struggle myself. Not like, I'm like, I can realize I make this mistake and as a parent, like I could go, I could own stuff, but I'm like, but just stop thinking about it. Oh, that's the challenge. Exactly. But if you can, if you can slow, and by the way, breathing is very, very, you know, connected to this. If you could Proper slow- breathing, not just everyday breathing, because that's important too, people. <laughs> yeah, if you can slow your breathing and then slow the mind, again, it's when the mind slows and eventually stills, becomes still, that awareness, real pure awareness takes over. And when that happens, 
that's when the trans transformation occurs and it's pretty powerful. That is, that is like, is, are there not like levels, but do you think there's a certain point where you peak in it? Like as a person, I, like it's personal growth, not say. like, not like challenges or belts, but just my, like my guru used to always talk about how there are no levels. You know, you are all, you always are aware. It's just, where is your awareness? And often, most of the time, most of us, our awareness is in the distractions that the mind creates. <laughs> and yeah. um, and if, as long as we're living in that space, we're, we're not going to, you know, we're, we're gonna be distracted by those thoughts. So we have to learn to slow and control the thoughts. Um, so again, it's not levels. It does, while you're practicing, it sometimes feels like there's levels but then you get to a certain point you, where you realize no there aren't really levels there's just aware or unconscious okay <laughs> and, and that's what you come to but but again it's all about the practice and it's important not to think in terms of levels it's nice to get little signposts when you're practicing you know like if you get a little vision or you see something or whatever if those things happen that's great um, but not to be distracted by those either. And so thinking in terms of level is another distraction. There you go. I see that. I think it's it's easy to say that because I think I took martial arts and different versions of it. And you can break it up. And to me, just doing it is better. And the practice is, was the best part of it. And yeah. so I get that and that level. And I think and I think to me, it's like almost like but when you do a martial arts long enough and you start to know, um, you know, you know your forms and you know different things and you do different things. You 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 get comfortable in certain plateaus where you can achieve certain things, and you know that by doing certain things long enough, you start to achieve certain areas that you don't normally get. And I I don't call them like levels, but I mean your yeah. your um, no, it feels like that. Yeah, on your journey, you journey to places differently. Yeah, yeah. Quicker well, that's why I like to call others, them to keep them forth. I like okay. to call them signposts. They're just little signposts to say, yeah, yeah. you're on the right path. You're on the right Not path. Not a contest or anything. Just but don't you know, be you distracted do see by it. Yeah, don't be distracted by it. You know, again, it. I mean, it's. It is not easy to slow the mind down. It is not easy at first because it's a wild animal. It's been going on for as long as you've been alive, going you know wild and crazy with whatever thoughts it wants. You know, our society doesn't really teach that. It's it's kind of funny. You know, we we teach so much. You know, there's so much learning and this, that, and the other thing, but we ne we don't teach many people how to just be happy. <laughs> it's very very strange, um, and happiness can be very intrinsic, uh, I, I'm sorry, our mental state is what provides our happiness. So yeah. controlling the mental state <laughs> seems to me to be a very big key to getting happiness and it's certainly worked for me. Uh, you seem like one of the most chill guys, especially <laughs> in the, the stuff you've done in your life has been pretty, you know, pretty amazing. It huh. keeps you going, keeps you young and, you know, it's, yeah. I, I think yeah. it's great. I think when Music I heard you were doing that, I think Music keeps me up. Well, yeah. I, I And to that point, are you going to, like, what's the next thing you think you do at the foreigner to keep going? I mean, you're still quite young. And you're still <laughs> a musician. I mean, well, I mean, there's a four-year difference between you and, and, and George. George's like, well, I'm, you know, I'm 69 and I'm kind of getting tired of touring. But obviously, he doesn't want to give up music, you can tell, because he's, yeah, he, oh, yeah. all he does is spit out music. Well, you know, I think he did three albums while we were talking. Like, he's always <laughs> doing something. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, I'm like, do you remember play, all your solos? Guitar. Like, I mean, God, what's wrong with that? Um, yeah, no. So to you, uh, I asked the same question. You know. Yeah. You know. Okay. For for me, um, well, again, I I would like it if I didn't have to do 
after next year, I would love to not do nine months of the year on the road anymore. That's that's and, and I probably won't. That probably just won't happen. Um, but as far as playing live, maybe some of these projects we have can do some live stuff. I don't know. Um, I'm kind of open to that. My main thrust, though, after after Foreigner um, will will probably be just a lot of recording in my studio because I love to record and mm -hmm. um, as much music as I can make out of there as possible. There is some Foreigner music that we'd like to finish maybe in 25. So I'm kind of hoping for that. Too. That'd be cool. Yeah. And we'll see, you know, we'll see where the, what the future holds. I, again, I just, all I know is it'll be nice to not tour for nine months a year after next year. I mean, to me, I wonder like you, you being such a, you're always in the studio, you're always live. So your sound is, you're so tight with everything you do now because you can do it so much. I, you know, do you do like a, a one-off, a couple, you know, war and peace things. Like, do a bunch of all your different projects. Do like little one-off no. special live things or things because you have like it's also in your like. I got this time now, not forced yeah. COVID time. Yeah, I have all these yeah. great projects that I right. fans have invested their emotions and time and, and money. But you know what I'm saying into this love of mine. So you have these like little niche things that can be kind of fun celebrations. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm open to all, all of that. You know, um, it's, it's not about it's, money making either. I'm just talking about. Yeah, music. I mean, I. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm kind of not worried. It's just, I'm, I'm sort of looking forward to the prospects of a whole bunch of new things. Um, and I'm, my focus, like I say, is going to be recording and, um, you know, I'll just keep recording and keep making music. <laughs> I'd like to see you do some lead singer project though, where you're kind of not just that you kind of, well, I, I will tell you one of my projects before I die is I do, I have, um, I have a solo album that I have several songs in mind for that over that I've accumulated over the years. And it's going to be kind of a different solo album. It's, it's not going to sound like Dokken or anything else. And, and that's why I'm not concerned. It's not a commercial project at all. I mean, some of the songs are kind of progressive. I mean, it's, it's a whole, it's a, it's a very different project for me. And, but that's one that I plan on doing. Like I say, all my objective is, is to do it before I die. So, um, but there's, there's, that's going to be a very, very interesting record. Only a handful of people might hear about it, but, <laughs> but it's going to be really interesting. <laughs> no, but that's what I'm saying. That That's kind of what the, you know, yeah. the show or this podcast. I mean, I'm just too, I don't make money. So I don't, I don't have a, I don't, I don't charge for it. Like, I'm saying I, I do sort of love of music. I want right. to celebrate how music has touched me and got me through everything in life. Sad, good, bad. I can tell you a docking song. I can tell you uh, this song. I can tell you, you know, I think actually think the Christmas song we should replace the Mariah Carey song is like we got you and George do it's a wonderful life I believe or you do a, a song called Wonderful yeah. Life that should yeah. be the that should be the Christmas one of the Christmas songs from now on instead of the other stuff it's way more positive that's just my take on it I'm that's saying cool. music is healing and I think that at this point in your career you should do everything that feels good to you and creative mm -hmm. to you and I well, know there's you. people that would listen to it and like said, it's not about making money at this point because. Dude, yeah. Unless you're Adele, you're not making money. You know what I'm saying? At a yeah. huge level, you're making right. money, money. Right, right. You know, no, that's 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 my whole thing. Is I I I want to put put music out there. I mean, I'll probably do some projects where I'm hired, you know, and paid. Oh. But gonna do eating's also, good. What's that? Yeah, yeah. Eating's good. <laughs> eating's good. Um, and paying for health insurance is good. Musicians don't have health right. insurance, people. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. But um, but I do definitely plan on doing a lot of music just for the sake of and the passion of the music. And um, yeah, I just want to put it out there. I just want it out there in the in the in the you know atmosphere.
put it out there, put it on your site, put it on your, you have a good website too. You got a lot of blog on it, you got a lot of good stuff on it too. It's kind of cool mm. just to keep building off of it. You know, it's a good, yeah. it's nice when an artist has um, not a ghost town of a website that goes <laughs> up like every five years. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's good when it's interactive. I mean, there's going to be gaps because touring and whatever, real life stuff. But I mean, there's a lot on there where people can jump on at any time mm. and engage on it. You know, as a fan, I'd like to you can do more yeah. stuff on it, more interactive media or songs because you get away from That's this kind of like a, like a hub to kind of because you, you also have so much stuff to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. To keep track oh, of that. And I would be up for that. <laughs> on media, it's hard. It's hard to get, find everything on media for you. You know what I mean? On different yeah. platforms. Yeah. And I'm I, I'm not great with the social media stuff. That's where Michael Regan comes in and he does great. Yeah. <laughs> he is good. He is good. So shout out to Michael. Thank you. I just set this up too. Michael was a, yeah. a component in this one. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's he was, he's been indispensable to me the last few years. He's great, and he actually he's smart. And he said to me the first thing he said was because my interview. Um, I don't know if you know uh, when I talked to Don, he'd come out to you know, where I live in Connecticut. He does do this thing called Biggie Fair. It's a big, big, huge fair, right? And our conversation centered to start off on on corn dogs. So I, and he's talking about how corn dog. Someone gave a corn dog. So first thing he said, he goes, "As long as there's no corn dog talk." Like so clearly he's showing he saw the doc interview. He was busting on me about it just because oh, he was being funny. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Very gotcha. funny, very aware that you know he's yeah. here, but he's also funny and tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. I think that's smart. That was a good, that was a good little thing. Yes. So, but I want to thank you, man. This is this is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, you have so much good music, and, and I, I'm looking for hearing more music, I think. And I do think if you guys do a Doc album, if it works out in everybody's terms, because that's how the best things are if it works for everybody, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, That would be kind of cool, because the chemistry yeah. of all you guys together would be good. Yeah, and, and and you know we'd probably end up if it did happen, we'd probably end up using Steve Brown, Mick Brown's little brother. Um, yep. You know what I'm hoping? Because I know Mick doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to play. He doesn't want to record. He doesn't want to do all. That. And Steve is still so vital. And and Steve is a lot such of energy a great, there. A lot of energy for him. I'm, a lot of energy. And, and the thing is, though, Steve can channel Mick Brown like nobody in the world. I mean it. It's 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 even weird. Even his singing voice, it's just yeah. it's spooky almost. Uh, and he he plays so he knows how to do the mix stuff. And uh, he's just a fabulous musician all, overall. So um, if we did, we'd probably use Steve. But what I'm hoping is that somehow we can get Mick, at least like send him the songs and say, Mick, what would you do here? You know, and get his input on it because because Mick right. was a very vital member of the band. I mean, he had a lot of he's he's underappreciated for his contributions in Dokken. he really he really is i mean he he was he was a vital member and his voice really important really it's yeah. hard to tell as a fan because back then he didn't get the same kind of press he had the wild mick brown right talking to don he, he kind of like you know Mick kind of got a good part of the deal when things were split he kind of came into this stuff and took off and well, then we there, were doing this there, and it wasn't yeah. putting him down but it wasn't like you heard nick's credit of what he did yeah well well because, and there is truth to the fact that Don, or that Mick did like to come in, do his parts, and get the fuck out of there. <laughs> it was definitely well, into that. Well, but, uh, but um, that downplays how important he was to. I mean, okay. I, I'm talking about really in the heyday. He was very, very vital, and when we were working up the songs and everything, he was he was important. I I think even even as a songwriting, I think as a drummer, he he was a drummer, and I just want to give him a quick shout out just as a player in the band because he he was also a standout drummer and it was in a style that he had. And almost like he had a swing. There's something about him. I mean, there's a lot yes. of rock drummers. So back then, there was a swing. I remember a jazz feel. Some of my favorite rock drummers have a jazz feel swing. Because they grew and up on I, 60s and 70s music, which right. taught them that. 
And that doesn't, and that's something you miss in drumming nowadays because it's not like it's not like a, a duh, 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 duh. there was something about it, it just had a groove, and you're like, yep. I don't think people could always copy that either. If you because there's not a lot of copy docking bands, and I think part of the thing that you'd miss is you'd miss that the harmonies because they were special between your two voices, and and that's and the drumming he did, and then you know you you gotta find um, George's tone, and he's still tone chasing. You know, yeah, and George has a sound in his fingers. So it doesn't matter what he does. It's yeah. George. You're, so you right. can try to copy him. You're not going to get it because it's George, right. just like Eddie Van Halen. Absolutely. So Absolutely. You had all those different pieces together from all you guys. And you got your stuff and Don's got his stuff. But but Mick oh. had his stuff that I think people should also be like, oh, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. he was he was an important part of the process. And and here's the thing. That was one of the things about Dokken is none of us approached the songwriting as like I'm the bass player writing a song and I want to put a bass part in here. And what, you know, none of it, all of us, Mick included, thought about the song. And we were all really good about that. Um, and, and, you know, surprisingly, in the co good collaborative moments of Dokken, we were able to let our egos down and work collaboratively. And that's when the good stuff happened. So, that's why I always challenge people when they say, well, you know, the conflict between Don and George was what made the creative. No, that's bull. That just made us fight more. <laughs> right. Um, when we all got on the same page and all put our egos aside and just came up with music, that was when the chemistry shined. And, you know, we proved we could still do it again in 2016, which blew my mind. <laughs> They've heard of Page and Plant and they've heard of, you know, Joe Perry and Steve yeah. Tyler. There's always that pairing. And, you know, that always tends to end up, you know, Pete, Town Pete Townsend and Roger Daltrey fighting, you know, that all that kind of that that the the myth of conflict over the years has been built up by all these rock bands. Um, and sometimes I think it even in their cases, it wasn't the conflict that did it. It was the fact that they were all focused, you know? And and I think sometimes there is a time, there are times when conflict can force you to be focused. Yeah. Um, but with Dokken, that was not usually the case. Usually the conflict just spread us apart and and made us kind of just, it, it ended up being not as great as it could have been. And that's my complaint about all those years is, you know, had we really, really, put our egos aside and really thought about the, the whole as an overall entity, I think we would have done much better. Daltrey and, and Peter still doing it to each other. You know, I just heard sure. a story at the long ago where they're doing a gig and I think Roger said something and it upset Pete and he says, watch this tomorrow night. And it wasn't that long ago either. I forgot who told me this. And um, it's not like an industry secret or anything. And they went to the show and you know, there's their set list or whatever. And Roger started going in there and Pete just started with a whole different song. And I guess Roger's so focused on what the songs are or whatever, it like just threw everything. It was just enough to get, you know what I mean? Get that little screw, but that's what they, the dynamic of. And these are 75 year old men. <laughs> right. And you're like, oh my God, I'm just happy you got out of bed. You guys are like still jamming, you know? Well, that's what, that's why it's so, it's so bizarre to me when, I, I mean, when I still see interviews where, you know, people are, Dish, dissing each other or you know don talking about all our drug use but leaving out his own you know i mean it's like let's let's be grown up here you know let's let's be adults and, I, and I hope it doesn't change things when i heard the talk he said with me it wasn't the end of the world it was like he unearthed some huge things to me but then i read a few more afterwards where he's like throwing some people under the bus he's saying some things that i know these people are not even accurate the way he's saying things they're not even accurate 
Yeah, but he's not remembering it. He's not remembering his parts. And I know there's like other musicians where he's uh, they're like, that didn't happen. In fact, what Don did is this. Yeah. But that's not out there. Right. And that yeah, I'm not going to because... comment on any of that. But, no, no, uh, but you don't I have to. But I'm saying yeah. it's a bummer because it feels like everyone's starting to get along. And I'd really hate to see that turn in, inward because he's saying yeah, stuff. That, that, that was my point. That was my point is, you know, I mean, here George and Don were doing shows and then Don starts doing that stuff in interviews. I just don't get it. But hey, you know, it is what it is, which is why in my mind, I would love to do a last docking record. But if it doesn't happen, I can also live with that. You got it. You guys have a good legacy. And I think the, also, George didn't want to say anything and you're not saying anything. Like, in fact, no one else is commenting on it. You guys are just like water off, off a duck's back type of deal. It leaves the door open that there's really less conflict if no one else is taking it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, you know, I'm again, and plus the fact is I do own up to my right. 80s drug use. You know, I, I I do not deny it one bit. And and um, I was a good drug addict. Huh? Very, very good. Well, that's what you yeah, explained the outfit, the, the unlocking key outfit. Those, the, the, oh, the, I the, wish the over you did. There's <laughs> not enough drugs for that, right? The no. Starface campaign. Yeah, that's too much. No. But seriously, I want to thank you. You're, you're uh, you know, I've been listening to music for a lifetime, so I really enjoy it. Oh, sincerely. Okay. I like how honest you are. I love the fact that you, you you still do other things outside of music. I want to encourage people to, to go check out your, um, thank you. your site, check out the yeah. meditation, you know, continue following you. Um, and personally, as a fan, I would love to see you do the solo album because I like the idea of you branching out to something I haven't heard you do. And I've heard you do a lot at this point. So okay. to me, it's like, how far can you go? Okay, well, I'll, I'll show you. Before I die, I'll show you. <laughs> you got to hop on it, though, because we've learned that the world is short. And people get sick. Life so is please. quick. Enjoy Take life yourself. you can. It's not Don't wait for the last minute. That's yeah. right. Yeah. But thank you very much. Well, people, check out the link. Thank you so much. This has been super fun. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, you have a great time. Thanks.